Hi, thanks for checking out the Angular-licious, or I haven't said that in a while. How about the Angular Architecture Podcast? Hey, I'm your host, Matt Vaughn, and today we're going to talk about selecting your tools wisely and how the tools you select could affect your architecture and how effective your developers are in executing that plan. Let's talk about it. All right, we're going to tell a little story about a project that I'm working on. This is a uh, Greenfield project, no lines of code, no projects, nothing really even set up. So really it's the very beginning stages. However, the team has been together for about a year doing some proof of concept things and uh, they've created a login page. It's really not wired up yet. There's no environment that it's deployed to, so there's no CI/CD pipelines, nothing like that. Um, really, the, the majority of the work has been done by the design team. So this project uh, actually has another team within the company or organization that is responsible for the design, the look and feel of this application, and the... Branding is very important. So they want uh, the colors, the layout, the little edges of uh, some of the components to just be the, this pixel-perfect uh, scenario. So really what they've done during the last year is they've completely designed the entire application with about six main feature sets, each one of them with different uh, workflows and sequences to collect information, display information, things like that. and. This is a pretty unique situation because uh, they have all this uh, these Figma designs, uh, very detailed, ready to go, that, that uh, contain some of the design elements, uh, the specific uh, colors, um, the CSS or styles uh, that could be used as well. Now, what they've done, in addition to creating all these uh, Figma designs, is they've created a design system now their design system is uh, based on SAS. Uh, CSS uh, was the output, but uh, they're using SAS. And they're also designing a web component library. So what they've done is they've created a set of web components, your typical components that you're gonna use to collect and display information on a web page. Uh, these are very generic. They're not uh, applicable or for use in an Angular project or a React project. They're just these generic web components. Now, the next step in their uh, process is to wrap all these web components uh, and make them Angular web components, a uh, distributed package of uh, Angular web components that uh, they could use in the development of the application. So they're in essence, building their own Angular UI controls and, uh, uh, a, and implementing all the different interfaces for uh, custom uh, web controls. So a very, um, a very big project just to even do that. And uh, they started uh, many months ago um, and they've ran into a few difficulties. Some of the components don't work. Uh, they're currently on version nine or 10 of Angular. Uh, the other team is working on Angular 
version. There's a big difference in which version of Angular that they're using, and there's some defects, bugs, things happening. So things aren't working quite so well for them at this time. A while back, or just a, uh, about a month ago, I was brought onto the project to uh, help coach the current project team to help them uh, set up their development environment and to begin building out the features for this new application. Well, one of the main things to do if you're going to build features, you're going to need these web components and uh, they're not ready. And you, they're, they're not even uh, ready to bring in. My suggestion was to maybe take a look at some third-party UI control suites. Uh, for example, uh, during the last few years, I've been uh, very successful using Infragistics Ignite UI. Uh, this uh, podcast is not sponsored by them uh, yet. Uh, maybe they could be. Um, but, uh, you know, taking advantage of a company really where their expertise is building uh, UI control suites and then just leveraging the use of those in your application. So you don't have to build them. You can uh, buy a license that lasts a year. And really the, the amount of money you're going to pay is really um, maybe two days of uh, uh, developer man hours, two days of uh, salary there. And you have an entire control suite that would take in has taken an army of developers, really man years of development to build, deploy, support, maintain over these years. And also they keep up to date with the different versions of Angular as it, as it releases. So they do all this work for you and really you're paying a no nominal fee for that service. Well, um, I offered that suggestion to this uh, team, to the uh, software uh, development manager and really um, they're like, Thank you, thank you for your suggestion. We already got this covered. We have a design system team. They have a team, they're developing these controls. It's their project, really. They manage the brand, the styles, all this stuff uh, for all of our applications. So we're gonna use that. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, all right. Let's uh, see how that can happen. Let's see if we can get what the time frame is going to be to get uh, these Angular components uh, available for our project, things like that. So I've been waiting uh, several weeks, so a little over three weeks now, and still uh, no answer uh, regarding that. And uh, recently, uh, the development uh, manager reached out and said, "Hey, what about those third-party components? Do you recommend any?" We uh, seem to be. Uh, not funded to hire any more developers onto the design system team to build out components for this web application. So that makes sense. So let's go ahead and think about this for a bit. All right. So um, currently this team has had uh, the design system team has actually built out all the Figma uh, documents for all the different features to a level of detail where you have all the sequences, the workflows, uh, all the detail, how to collect, how to display information. And they've already done this. So uh, we just reviewed this as a team about a month ago, uh, all of these uh, fine documents. But um, I've noticed that there's really some uh, unconventional unconventional uh, UI components. So they really kind of created their own thing. And they have these little flyouts that come out from the, from the right side when you click a uh, section or a uh, specific feature to go into. And you have this kind of this white overlay that pops on top of the screen and that's where you do your work. And they call that a workspace. And uh, that's where the components are gonna display, things like that. Well, that component doesn't exist. And I've worked with a lot of different UI controls over the years and they don't have anything like that. That's uh, pretty unique. So how are we gonna build that? And it really kind of got me thinking about how the selection of your 
tools and materials really has to be part of the design of your system. Now, it's like, you know, throughout time, when anyone has built anything significant, the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, the the uh, in the, uh, the Aztec ruins, we have uh, we have um, pyramids uh, in Egypt and and uh, in the Aztec ruins down in Mexico, these pyramids. So the tools and materials were chosen very wisely. These things still exist today after hundreds of 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 years and, and many centuries have gone by. They they still exist, and there's a reason for that. The people who built those things understood the tools and materials, but even before that, the designers, the individuals who planned what they were going to build, already had in mind or decided which materials to use and how they were going to use uh, use those materials to build the solution and create a plan and execute that plan. Now, a lot of times in web applications. For some reason, the design and planning, um, hey, they just go off and it uh, it becomes a Picasso, you know, and you you have this really nice, uh, you have nice pictures, but um, it's going to be difficult to implement those using standard web controls that, one, may not even exist because the design team can't build them, or two, they don't exist in any third-party UI control suites that you can purchase um, and have off the shelf. So. Really, when you're designing a web application, and especially if it's a business application, it's you're gonna you're gonna use very conventional uh, mechanisms to collect and display information. These UI control uh, uh, companies, these third-party suites, they've really spent a lot of time in in knowing what um, you know for really 99. Point what nine percent of all businesses building a business application is going to need. So. Their controls really kind of satisfy those needs. So my suggestion is that during the design or the analysis and design phase, before you start creating those awesome Figma or these UI mockups, that you really do some due diligence and select the tools and materials you're going to use for your application. Is it going to be material design? Is it going to be some aspect of that or some custom kind of look and feel? Um, where are these controls going to come from? Where do they? Where do you get these capabilities? You know, you have a lot of these little switches, little on-off, yes, no, um, things like that, uh, enable, disable type things. You're going to have little sliders or steppers. There's lots of different types of controls you're going to need to implement your UIs, and. Really, do you want your developers building those? Is that their expertise? I doubt it. In fact, you probably hire them to just build the features of the application, not to build the tools and materials that you're going to need for that app. So really, let other companies do that. I think that's the, the best way to go. Um, so, you know, select the right tools and materials. So anyway, um, the team has made some good decisions. They want to use SAS, um, and it aligns with Ang the Angular platform. So they want to use Angular. They 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 did do do some uh, selection of uh, of things uh, from a technology standpoint, and uh, now they want to make a selection for a UI control suite. So you have options. You can go completely open source. You can um, go free to uh, for or a paid subscription, a license. And you're gonna, you're really, you're gonna get what you pay for. Um, if you, if you pay a subscription, a lot of times those companies they offer support, better documentation, a better set of controls, a bigger offering of different types of controls that you can use. Or you can go, you know, open source. It's free. 
Um, you don't have to pay a subscription, but you may not get all of the controls that you need. Maybe the support uh, is not there. Maybe it's community driven or they have a, a, a way to you know, submit questions and maybe the community will answer them. So you really have to think of a lot of different things when you're doing this uh, tool selection. Um, I'm thinking uh, match the controls or what you're going to need for your, your UI or to solve the business problem. Does the control suite you're selecting, does it have all of the uh, uh, controls to collect and display information that you're going to need for your specific circumstance? If it doesn't and you have to build one, how expensive is that going to be? How long is it going to take and is it going to work? So choose the right uh, control suite. Um, and then you're going to be looking at uh, the cost for um, maybe their annual subscription. Do they have support? What is the documentation like? Does the documentation include uh, samples of uh, the component, the template, um, the configuration and the different uh, attributes or characteristics of that uh, specific uh, uh, component item and, and how it works. So is there an actual working example? Is there stack blitz? Um, is there a sample application that you can see the actual code? Um, how does it, uh, how is it styling that specific element? Is there CSS and, and how easy it is to do to uh, implement a theme uh, for your style? Does it support SAS? Pretty important question. In this scenario here, uh, they definitely want to use SAS. And so uh, the, cho the tool they chose um, is PrimeNG. Um, I've used PrimeNG on some projects. It's been a few years, but uh, um, they have a nice uh, set of controls. But uh, inherently, they don't support SAS. So you have to purchase a different tool according to their documentation on their website. And their tooling uh, has uh, some way of generating or integrating SAS into their components. So maybe that tool is not the right tool. So. Wow, um, I was thinking maybe Infragistics Ignite UI for Angular um, really checks all the boxes. Uh, this application has a material uh, design-like kind of feel to it. And I know um, that Control Suite has a theme that, uh, that really kind of um, has that uh, material design look and feel as well. So that would be pretty easy to just kind of start from a base theme and modify very few things update a few colors, primary, secondary colors, et cetera, and you're pretty close to the, the branding that you have for the application. So, you know, those are the things that you're looking for. Uh, you want to be able to implement this pretty quick, and you want to be able to extend and, and reuse, uh, you know, the design elements, et cetera, for uh, each of these components. So choosing your tools wisely really makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's not only for design tools. This is just one example. Um, you want to look at different aspects of the entire software development lifecycle. What about your CI/CD? Um, is it going to be based on GitHub? And what are their automation capabilities there? Or GitLab? What are your automation capability, capabilities there? Um, On-premise or in the cloud? Uh, what are the pros and cons? You know, there might be some expense there, but uh, if on, you're doing it on-premise, you're really going to have to manage everything. So, you know, there are some advantages of uh, doing things in a more conventional, uh, more uh, cloud-based uh, format that uh, may prove a little faster. So you have to take all those things into consideration and figure out 
which ones make sense, and then make it part an, an, a part of uh, the discussions that happen early on in the project uh, during the analysis and design phase so that you can really kind of make some decisions early about some of these uh, materials, you know, materials and tools that you will be using to execute the plan that comes from your analysis and design, what, you're, what you want to build and uh, you know, the solution that you want to pr provide. What we're saying as a, as a kind of a bottom line here is that um, what you select as your tools and materials will affect how you execute and how you execute will affect really the deliverable of that solution. Is it gonna be good, bad? Does it meet all the needs? Did it take a lot longer than it should have been because you had to build something that already existed? Question mark. Um, NIH, right? You've heard of that, not invented here. So really um, don't build anything if you don't have to. Uh, do some due diligence and figure out, hey, does this exist already? Um, can I use a third-party vendor for this? Um, so really, hopefully uh, that uh, provides a little bit of insight in you know, how important it is to make the right selection of tools and materials, not only making that selection, but when you make that selection so that can be part of the design, so that when they design things, they take into consideration what tools and materials you're going to use. And this has a huge impact on how effective and how e efficient your developer team will be and the impl implementation. Hey, thanks for checking out the Angular Architecture Podcast. If you want more information about Angular enterprise applications and patterns for your solutions, please go to angulararchitecture.com. Thanks. Have a great day.